Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Gordon, we're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up here momentarily for your daily assist. Uh, we'll ask him about uh, everything going on in the NBA. We'll ask him about the Jazz, what he thinks about uh, their game tomorrow uh, with the Pelicans, and uh, basically what's uh, what's going on in this experiment that we're about to see commence. In fact, let's, uh, let's get to your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. From The Athletic, he's our friend Sam Amick. Hey, Sam, how are you? Hey, guys, doing fine. How are you? Hey, we're excited. We're going to get to see some jazz basketball tomorrow night as they play game one of this back-to-basketball situation down in Orlando. And we've kind of asked you this question, I think, every week, Sam, but how are you feeling now that we're right there? Uh, it, it starts tomorrow. Feeling pretty good. Um, you know, you got the, the good news today from the NBA, you know, round two of testing with the players inside the bubble, zero positive tests, you know, that's fantastic. And in light of some of the struggles in other sports, you know, it kind of illuminates it even more. So certainly hope that continues. And then basketball-wise, I'm, I'm just really curious to see kind of how long it takes all these different teams to uh, to kind of get whole again. You know, I think that you've just got a bunch of rosters where once the spotlight is on, we're going to, we're going to start identifying, oh, wow, that, you know, like the Clippers, they're not expected to have Montrezl Harrell, Patrick Beverly, and Lou Williams. And I, they're not alone. There's a lot of teams that, whether it's because of COVID or guys with having excused absences, um, there's like kind of a hodgepodge field to the rosters. Uh, but, you know, I'm just fired up to see it get rolling again. I think the basketball pretty good in terms of the, uh, I'm sorry, so far in the scrimmages has been pretty good and fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that is all that. But, Sam, after reading your story about Lou Williams, I want to know where your favorite place is to go get wings. <laughs> oh, man, that's a doozy of a situation, guys. Uh, you know, I'm a Wingstop guy. Wingstop's pretty good. Uh, never been to Magic City. Uh, you know, I'm not judging anybody who has. Just uh, um, that was, you know, one of our guys, Chris Kirshner, who's a writer in Atlanta, uh, actually went and did some hard-hitting reporting and had to test the wings out for himself yesterday. And, you know, that story was something else. But, I mean, jokes aside, I, I did, you know, I tweeted this the other day. It's like, 
you know, even there's such a stigma, and, and I get it with gentlemen's clubs in general, but for the purposes of the NBA, I mean, you cut through all that, and it's a pretty, it's pretty black and white. Like Lou or any other player, in my opinion, who leaves the bubble, like you just you should not be doing anything other than takeout food. Like that's it. You should not be sitting. I mean, you know, even us at home in a non-compact, impacted area, it's not that bad. You know, we're not sitting in a restaurant for half an hour, 40 minutes, sharing the oxygen with other people who we don't know where they've been. So, to me, that's where he aired, and, and obviously he's paying for it now in the form of a, a 10-day quarantine. But really, I mean, this is something Jake and I have been going back and forth on, and you mentioned it earlier, the other, the other sports having the troubles that they're having – the NBA is doing this right. It, it seems as though, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but it seems as though they've got a good idea of how to do this. And maybe that's impossible for other sports, but certainly, uh, knock on wood, the NBA looks like it's heading in a in a in a good direction. No, I agree. I mean, I believe the NHL is doing a bubble, and even the basketball tournament, which is that kind of fringe under league that. That, uh, that did one a couple months ago and had pretty good success. The bubbles appear to be working. Baseball, obviously, a, a different situation. And I feel for them a little bit because, I mean, I, you know, and, and I'm not an expert on that front, but some of their decisions seem questionable. Others, you look at it and you say, I don't know what they're supposed to do because those players are not going to agree to a bubble for the entirety of a regular season. So, you know, I've seen some commentary from fans and media where they say, oh, you idiots, why wouldn't you do a bubble? Like, what? Just it's not. I don't know. The NBA might be in this quandary next season if if things aren't better. You know, like it's one thing to do this bubble for eight seeding games and then the playoffs. It's quite another to try to do an entire season. Uh, but you're right, Gordon. I mean, so far so good. Uh, people I talk to inside the bubble are very impressed across the board with the level of kind of safety and, and just diligence, and it's the real deal. You, I'm not getting any reports back. With people saying, "Oh man, they're talking a big game, but but things are lax, and if you want to go somewhere, you can." And there's none of that. I mean, you take a wrong turn and you're going somewhere you're not supposed to be. There is a security guard looking at you and saying, "You do not have the right badge to come this direction." So uh, it does seem like it's the real deal, and that's a good thing because it's working so far. Sam Amick from the Athletic with us, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, talking about the Jazz, we just had George Niang on the show uh, earlier this hour, and we asked him about the concerted effort that they seem to be taking to uh, to take more threes. And uh, he confirmed that. And, in fact, in six consecutive quarters during these scrimmages, the Jazz shot over 50% of their shots from three. They're, they're obviously uh, putting more of an emphasis on that. What do you think about that concept maybe in an effort to make up for or the lack of Bogdanovich and being small. They're a small team right now. Yeah, I know. It's, I think it's smart. Um, it's a little bit of a page out of the Rockets book. The one thing that, you know, there's this misnomer with the Rockets when they started going small even years ago, even before the Clay Capella trade, you know, and, and when they went super small like they are now, they fired threes um, team-wide at a rate that did not reflect – the uh, what am I trying to say? Like the proficiency of those individual players. Like you know, there's the guys that might be rolling in with 28 percent three point accuracy, and and they still to a degree had a mantra of if, it, if it's open, shoot it. And you know, I think 
the, the math on that and the data, you know, I would have to assume based on the way the Jazz have analyzed their own team is that, you know, okay, you might have a couple outliers, outliers and, and players who maybe shouldn't be having the green light. Uh, but once you, you know, you do that collectively as a group, the math is going to be in your favor and, and maybe it does help fill that gap of losing a, a good scorer like Bogdanovich. So I get it. Uh, it's interesting. And, and in fact, tomorrow morning I'll have kind of a, you know, top 10 storylines piece coming out, looking at the Orlando situation. The Jazz are certainly one of them. And whether it's the three point shooting, Bogdanovich being gone, Rudy and Donovan. And, and I enjoyed, uh, I'm sure you guys saw it today, Rudy's interview with the Washington Post. I thought he was pretty good in that piece. The Jazz in general remain front and center for me as far as just intriguing teams. Getting back to what Jake asked you about, uh, Sam, it, it seems as though in the past the Jazz have passed and passed and passed and passed looking for the best shot possible. Uh, you run a couple risks when you do that. You might turn the ball over, and it seems as though now the Jazz are to the point now where they're saying, okay, we'll take, go ahead and take the three off the dribble. If it comes early in the shot clock, go ahead and take it. If it's a good shot, it's a good shot. Don't mess around with it. And that, that, that seems that, – that's different for this team. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think within that, you know, you've got the playmaking question – when it comes to a Mike Conley and a Donovan Mitchell. I know Donovan's tried to improve in that department. Um, but, you know, if they if they had a roster that was flooded with Steve Nash's and LeBron James, then maybe you you go farther down that playmaking road and go from the good shot to the great shot. But, you know, it, it's a balance. I mean, you, you have these, uh, these Spurs ties within this Jazz organization, and the Spurs are the ones who, you know, Greg Popovich is the one who kind of, he mastered the art of good to great, and that's part of their culture, part of their ethos. And I, and I think that's still going to exist within the Jazz. But if you're not seeing the results, and you know whether it's overpassing and and, and not getting the payoff for, for that approach, then you know try something new. I wonder if it'll be feast or famine. You know, really come across with success on one night, and maybe the next night not so much. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Sam Amick with us uh, from The Athletic, your daily assist here on 97.5 in 1280 The Zone. What uh, what are your thoughts on the Jazz opponent uh, tomorrow, Sam? The Pelicans, Zion Williamson, do they have much of a prayer of playing their way into the playoff picture? Well, I think they do because obviously, you know, you only got to get within four games of Memphis to get into the play-in tournament. And it, it's not great for them that Zion – had to go tend to a personal matter and then come back and it does appear that he'll be available to play tomorrow. But, you know, I wonder kind of what sort of setback he suffered from a training standpoint. But they're a talented squad, and they were rolling before the break. And so all they got to do is, um, I mean, shoot, they got to stand packed because I believe they're three and a half behind the Grizzlies right now. They, they But you need to be – you know, ahead of Sacramento and ahead of Portland and also San Antonio. So you got to nudge out those other three squads, get yourself into – I mean, they're not going to surpass Memphis. Mathematically, it's just not going to happen. So get yourself into a playing tournament. And at that point, I think all bets are off because that Memphis team has no Justice Winslow, and, and that's a definite loss for them. And, and so I'd probably be handicapping the Pelicans in that setup. But it'll be fun to see. I think tomorrow – 
it's, it's probably going to be somewhat rough, even though these scrimmages have been pretty good. You know, I, I feel like you know, I mentioned earlier the Clippers and guys they're missing. You know, Zion being maybe a little rusty because he's been out. Um, you know, I don't know who else. Who am I missing on the Jazz side? Are they are they whole right now, or they're going to be without anybody tomorrow? They should be whole. Boyan. Yeah, outside of Boyan, yeah. they should be uh, good to go. Yeah, then to me, it just in terms of even analyzing that one game, I mean, they got to come out and take care of business. They should be able to to knock the Pelicans off, you know, given what New Orleans has been through. But that's the fun part of it is that um, nobody, none of us ever wanted any of this for society or the, the ripple effect on sports. But it is just, it's wild. The, the sports fan part of me, you know, you watch these baseball games where you know that technically speaking, like every win or every loss in baseball is essentially like 2.7 times the value of a normal game within a normal season because they shorten their season. Now with basketball, I mean, these eight seeding games with playoff position on the line, you know, it is going to have that March Madness feel that I think hopefully is going to be a lot of fun because there's no time to waste. Um, so, you know, you lock in tomorrow when you try to figure out how much damage you can do, but, you know, there's not much time. Coming back the way these teams are, Sam, and your experience watching NBA basketball, which is tougher to come back from to, to, to play at a high level, defense or offense? Um, it's a good question, which is my way of delaying to form an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I would probably say offense. I, I, I mean, and certainly the disclaimer, I've never played the game anywhere near the level of these guys. You know, I was a marginal middle school player who you know couldn't make the cut on the old high school team but like it's uh what i've learned about the game is that you know the defense so long as you're in shape and in condition is going to be there for you uh offensively i think rust is going to impact you more and and especially because certainly you know on the defensive end five guys on a string there's a collective element to it for sure um, but you, but but you can still control your part. You can defend your backside off and remain focused and, and make the right reads. Um, and I think that would likely come back to you quicker. Offensively, it's a chemistry thing. It's a it's a sharpness thing, you know. And, and it's even a system thing. You know, do you remember? You know, this is the kind of the brain part of the game. Just do you remember every set? Do you remember every move? Every cut? every read and I would have to imagine that it might take a little longer for that to come back if you had this kind of a layoff Sam thank you as always for jumping on with us and excited that uh, when we talk to you next week we'll be talking about actual games played how nice will that be I know I'm looking forward to it in a few weeks from now I'll be coming at y'all from inside the old bubble so uh, awesome. away we go awesome where do you where do you watch your games from Sam just uh, there in the TV then or do you go someplace or what do you uh no well these days I don't go anywhere but um, <laughs> I, I rotate a little bit I got an office that I'm in right now that uh that I have no fewer than four possible screens one one big screen TV and three pretty big computer monitors so I can put a bunch of games on in here or we've got a projector uh, living room where you know the, the the screen's a whole lot bigger but then the family yells at me because they don't always want to watch hoops like i do <laughs> so you know I, we got a tv in the garage i, I basically just kind of move from spot to spot depending on how i'm feeling that day <laughs> sounds pretty sweet to me sam thank you very <laughs> much as always you're the best 
Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Our friend Sam Amick from The Athletic. There's your daily assist here on 97.5 and, uh, and 1280 The Zone. Sam yeah, sounds fairly positive about the Jazz. I, I mean, I think that, you know, what we're seeing with the three-pointers, Gordon, I think is a really big deal. And we'll have yeah. to see how that continues because you would think that three-point attempts without a player like Boyan Bogdanovich would go down. And it appears like they're they're pretty determined to make them go up. Well, if they go in, it's good. If they don't. That's not. And, I, you know, the Jazz are a good shooting team, typically speaking. At least they were with Boyan in the lineup. Now we're going to find out how they do without that. And uh, it, it's freeing up Mike Conley a little bit. It's freeing up Donovan Mitchell a little bit. And uh, I, I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, we talked to George Niang earlier. He, I think he's very excited. You mentioned it to him that you must be excited to have this kind of opportunity to go ahead and fire away. And he said, yeah, if I'm open, I'm going to shoot. Yeah, it was funny. We shoot? talked to him about the, the more threes, and, and uh, how did he put it? He said, that's the only thing I do well, so that yeah. must be good for me, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But, but you know, I, I like the self-deprecation there, but he, he's kind of right. I mean, there there is certainly an opportunity for George Niang to make an impact on this team in this situation because that's what the Jazz are going to try and do is hoist a bunch of threes. They're not the defensive team they've been over the past few years. They're still good. They're still above average, but they're not you know, a top three defensive team in the league like they've been, and they're much smaller, and they're going to try and and battle that by taking a bunch of threes. And it's, it's what the nerds like Locke say they should be doing for a reason. Three is more than two. I didn't know if you uh, knew that, Gordon. Uh, I'm slightly aware. Uh, but I wonder where we should have asked George sometime how he developed his perimeter shooting. Because I know that's just a basic of basketball, but some guys really are able to come along in that regard and others uh, just sort of stay stationary in that regard. So I, I, I don't know how it's done. Is it going into the gym and putting up 500 shots a day? Or is it just a natural thing? Is it what do you got to do in order to improve in that regard? Uh, the old... I think the Jazz, the Jazz have, to, have to improve, even though they were good shooting before without the 20.2 from Boyan. They gotta, the other guy's got to step up. Uh, the old uh, talent, uh, God-given ability versus hard work. Uh, argument, Gordon. Yeah. I don't think that's the the same for anyone. But let me ask you this: you this question: What hidden talent had you worked on it? Do you think you would have been really good at the piano? You think? Mm-hmm. Did you ever take lessons as a kid? Two years. How uh, how old were you? I was quite young. Out of all the yeah. stories from Gordon Monson, I do not think I knew that you took piano for two years. Yeah, I I did. Uh, I played at a. Uh, what do you call it, recital once that was kind of a big deal. And uh, I had worked on a rather complicated piece, and uh, even though I was young in the game, as it were, and I promptly walked up to the piano, sat down, all fired up, ready to go, confident, had earned the confidence. (laughs) The very first note I hit was the wrong note. I'm just trying to picture what big deal concert would be for like an eight-year-old. Yeah, was this Carnegie Hall? Yeah, right. I don't... Were, you, were you playing some sort of stadium for a eight-year-old piano recital? Opening for Elton John, yeah, were you? Right. 
No, I think I could have been. Uh, I think I could have been pretty good at that. Okay, because I had good hand-eye coordination. I bet a lot of people and, have that uh, same uh, that same answer. Because yeah, we're dumb. We 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 quit. We 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 decide to do something else. When uh, I've often thought about that, and that's something you guys will have to figure out for yourselves and for your kids that you uh, try to channel them in a direction where they can see some success. But what if what if um, what if like Mozart's parents had wanted him to be a soccer player or something? Mm. You know, they put you kind of open opportunities for your kid in the wrong direction. But if you find the right one, then that's where that's where that magic does happen. So uh, maybe are, are you going to get Sadie uh, involved in piano? I don't know. We have a piano, but I think I could have easily been a professional highlight player if I had just practiced. <laughs> of course, you could have, because uh, easily. I just you know, had I well, put what, in the what effort. Is it, what is it about your particular set of skills that uh, would have, uh, you know, pushed you to heights? Nothing. Just just think. Uh, had I practiced, <laughs> nobody I else been, plays. Highlight. I would have been really good at it. <laughs> All right, we'll get to more coming up next. Speaking of George Niang, we'll talk about a few of the comments he had earlier on in the show. But joining me now in studio, our good friend Katie from Homie. Check them out, homie.com. You're helping our listeners save money with, of course, their home, which is the biggest investment most of us will ever make. Yeah, for sure. It really is. Um, and it's interesting with everything going on right now, we've got such an interesting market where the, the supply of homes that are for sale are is really low, but the demand to buy is really high. And generally here in Utah, it, it gets this way right right around the summertime when kids are out of school, people want to kind of get settled in before school starts. Um, so there's a lot of people out there buying. And we've got amazing buyers, agents that are here to help you and walk you through. Um, you download the app. You can look for a home on the app and click to take a tour. And we can schedule a time that works just right for you. And our agent will come meet you at the door. Um, and they're there for you for not only showing you the home, but they're going to help you through the negotiations. Again, they're going to help you, you know, do your due diligence and, and help you get your home inspector taken care of and everything that, that comes with buying a home and all those things that can be a little bit overwhelming. Our agents are there to help help guide you through all of that, all the way to closing. That's a, that's a misconception you guys battle against, right? That uh, a lot of people think, oh, just because you use technology means you don't get that personal service. And that's not the case. Yeah. And actually 75% um, of our agents Agents were part of the top 500 realtors of Utah. Wow. Um, and so that's incredible. And we're hoping to have an even bigger number um, this next year because our agents are so well experienced and they're helping so many people not only sell their homes, but buy their homes. Um, we're helping everyone, not just the sellers, but also the buyers. So if, it, if you're looking for a home, download the Homey app. We've got everything on the MLS on that Homey app. Um, you can find a house really easy and click to take a tour it's really simple for those people listening really they have you have nothing to lose check it out because you've got a lot to gain you could save all that money so you might as well go to homie.com and and find out what you guys can do for them yeah and even if you're not looking for a house right now sometimes it's just fun to look at houses like yeah. that's my hobby i don't know why it's my hobby but it is i really like looking at houses they're fun and unique and maybe you'll find something that will fit for you all right check them out homie.com thanks katie all right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Gordon George Niang was on the show last, uh, last hour. And I uh, thought it was great. We got it up online at uh, 1280thezone.com. But wanted to uh, revisit a couple of comments from the interview. And let's start with this. We've got your question in there, but George talking about uh, people's expectations with no Bogdanovich. Before the season started, there were a lot of expectations, a lot of uh, sort of high spirits around here that the Jazz could do something maybe extra special this year. And uh, the season proceeded. And it was, it was, it was you know, not bad. But maybe uh, some uh, observers have sort to diminish their expectations a little bit. How does the team feel about that? Do you guys feel like even without Boyan available to you that you can go out and surprise people? Wait, wait you think some people are uh, upset with uh, where we are right now? I mean, we're we're fourth in the West in the best league in the in the or the or the best conference in the league, and uh, you know we're one and a half games out of third place. Um, people that are upset with where we're at, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, Rome wasn't built in one day, is what they say. We have, you know, um, our core is obviously back, but adding guys like Mike and Boyan, um, you know, it took a little time in the beginning and you know we got adjusted to that um and i feel like as we were getting right into the swing of things you know the season ended that being said you know we're a real close-knit group and coaches said this in years of the past the strength of our team is our team and i think you know all of us know that boyan is not going to be down here and participating in games um but we also know that we can count on each other to come to one common goal and that's to win and if you talk about expectations there's no bigger expectations out there than the ones that we have inside of our locker room um you know we expect to win a championship and you know anything short of that is going to be disappointing well i think think it's really good that george has that attitude and if that's the attitude of the team then good on him i just not sure how many people agree with it well, I I like the way you put that, Gordon, because it was it was going to be a little nicer than how I put it. I, you're you're totally right. That should be the attitude that George Niang ha- has, and I'm certain that he believes in it. It just doesn't make it reality, because Bogdanovich is really good, and he was their number two offensive option all year long, and you can't lose your number two guy and not have it affect you. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I, I like some of the strategy we've seen thus far in how maybe they're going to overcome some of that. It makes a lot of sense, as we've talked quite a bit about. And I like George's attitude. But, yeah, the loss of Bogdanovich, that hurts. That stings. He's good. Well, I'm curious to see how it's going to go. I, most of the people we have talked to around the league, you mentioned that Sam Amick was uh, fairly optimistic about the Jazz, but most of the guys we've talked to through uh, the weeks, not all that optimistic about the Utah Jazz. So uh, maybe. Well, it depends on what maybe standard. Maybe better, be, uh, better to be surprised and disappointed. What standard are we holding them to? Because that, that comes into play, right? I mean, if you're optimistic about the Jazz, but optimism means they're going to have a, a, a competitive first-round playoff series, then you know that's well, different I, than never... optimism surrounding uh, you know if you expected them to to win the title even in the best of times i never expected them to win a championship this year i did think 
at one point when they were making those sweet moves during the offseason that they might have a chance to contend for the Western Conference title. And I'm not sure I think that anymore. Uh, did you ever think that based on what you saw on the floor this year? Not 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 on paper, but on the floor. And I, I'm I'm not trying to lead you in one way or another. I'm 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 curious to your answer. No, the answer is no because uh, it didn't come together quite the way I thought it would. I would say no and, too. I agree with that. Mike Conley's a big part of that. Now, if he can come out and play at an all-star level along with uh, Donovan and and uh, Rudy. And the other guys can hit some outside shots, hit these threes we've been talking about. Then, then that'll be something. But I, 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 I guess I'm gonna wait and see if it happens. And I don't know I, if it, even if it does happen, I don't know if I'm would give them a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, uh, it could happen. I guess I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but uh, I'd be surprised if it did. And even if it uh, did, are they better than the Clippers? Depends on if those three pointers are going in. Yeah, I just don't see them. Even even if that happened, I don't see them better than the Clippers. Yeah. Not without Bogdanovich, and of course that is where we began this discussion. Yeah. So uh, his his uh, response to that surprised me a little bit. I mean, not that I didn't expect him to be, you know, positive and upbeat about what the Jazz were are trying to do, but he almost sounded semi offended. I know, right? As if well, well. I mean, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, I thought that was interesting. That stood out as well. Let's let's get to this clip. We've got the not sports board coming up at four fifty. But uh, George did talk about uh, plans in regards to demonstration and social justice for the team. You mentioned earlier uh, the, the important things going on in the world right now. One of them, obviously, uh, social and racial justice. Uh, there's been some speculation about what the Jazz might do uh, before the game, during the national anthem and all that sort of thing. Can you fill us in? Yeah, sure. I mean, what, 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 I mean, what specifically do you want to know? Um, you know, I think all of us uh, Jazz men, you know, stand together, um, you know, when it comes to uh, social, um, you know, aspects of, of, of the things that are going on and we've been locking arms um you know since you know since i've gotten to the utah jazz to symbolize that you know that we're in this together and that we stand um for what's right and we stand for equality um you know i'm sure people are anxious to see you know what's going to happen you know during the national anthem um and i think that as a organization as a as a group of men in the NBA, you know, men and women in the NBA, you know, we're going to do what we feel is right um, for change. Thoughts, Gordon? Well, yeah, I think they should do uh, what they feel they should do. And I think it's interesting because, and I wanted to know specifically, he said, what is it that you want to know? Well, I wanted to know exactly what I asked, what they were going to do during the national anthem. Well, they kneel because that's something that has not been done in the past, not to my knowledge. Uh, the the NBA disallowed it, and now it seems as though Adam Silver is encouraging it. So, what will in the first game back? What will the Jazz do? I'm 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 uh, the stories are going around that they're going to kneel around the Black Lives Matter uh, 
right writing on the court. Is that uh, what you're expecting? Uh, yeah, from the reports I've seen. It sounds like they've uh, they're going to whatever from George's answer there. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's something new, and that's something Jazz fans have not experienced before. And obviously, they won't be in the building, but they will react. I think to what uh, what they see. And uh, I I don't know I I, I don't to me it's it's no big deal. And initially, when I first saw Colin Kaepernick do it, I, I was confused by it, and I wasn't a big fan of it. But as time has gone by, as I've understood it better, I have uh, come to uh, g- come to grasp it and say, okay, I get it now. How, where are Jazz fans on this? Are they going to be ticked off if their team, the team they root for, are going to kneel during the national anthem around the Black Lives Matter writing on the court? Is that going to tick people off right here? I wrote a column about this. It was in the paper today, posted on on Monday, and I got a lot of feedback on that. Some people really don't like it, don't like the Black Lives Matter organization. And I thought I explained it pretty clearly that uh, people are jumping aboard the movement more than they are the organization. And that this is not uncommon, that oftentimes movements are started by People you might consider somewhat radical, in this case, uh, Marxists, and then other people come along and say, okay, we may not buy into Marxism, but we do buy into racial justice, and we're tired of what we're seeing. And that's why you're seeing millions and millions of Americans jump aboard this cause, because they want to see that happen. So how will those jazz fans who have such a big problem, and I don't know what the percentage is, all I know is the feedback I get. How will they react when they see the jazz players kneel during the national anthem around those words? I, I'm curious because I have no problem with it, and I think most jazz fans won't have a problem with it, but some will. Certainly some will. I mean, that's, that's really the point, right, uh, of these sorts of demonstrations is getting well, the message the across. Need, those are the people who need to see and get the message more than anybody, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, the, and I, I maybe I didn't lay this out as well as I could have when we talked about this earlier on in the show. But the the NBA and and the Jazz and the their players, uh, I mean, the the point of the they're they're saying that our message is more important than our business, and that's actually their point. That's how their message gets amplified. So when you say, "Will people be upset about it?" Yes, they will be. Will they lose fans over it? Yes, they will. Will they lose money over it? Potentially, they will. But that's the point, because the message—they want their message to be heard uh, enough that they will do damage to themselves. And that's what I was trying to get to when I when I was talking about sacrifice and being heard. Is See, because I still believe. I still believe that most jazz fans get it. I, I, Maybe they I, do. I, but but it's not everybody. That, 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 no, no, it's not. And that's based on the reaction that I've gotten to this particular column I wrote. And uh, it uh, that I continue to get communication from people about who are saying that they, they don't like the organization. They don't like the idea. That some people have a problem with, the, with uh, kneeling during the national anthem. But many Americans... Now, it's, it's not that they want to endorse Marxism or socialism or communism, but they do. They, they've had their fill 
of watching people being mistreated. And they want that part of the message to get across. And just because they don't fall in line with a couple of the founders of Black Lives Matter who say they are Marxist, that it's okay. Because oftentimes these movements get started earlier with uh, some folks who are a little more radical than others, but then others come in and see the good part and they go with that part of the flow. And that's the point they want to get across. And I, I, most NBA players I know are not Marxists, but they certainly believe in racial and social justice. And that's what they're trying to say here. And they don't want that message to get lost just because basketball is being played again. So how would you clarify that then? I would clarify it just the way I wrote it. And you can go to sltrib.com and read it if you didn't see it. Uh, and it's, uh, I think I just wrapped it up in a nutshell that this, this change needs to happen. People need to be treated fairly. Uh, no, I, I color guess color need to be treated fairly. And that is what most of these NBA players, that's the point they're trying to get across to folks. And so, but some people want to circle that part about the Marxism and that that is enough of a turnoff for them that they're they're They don't want to be a fan. Of, of folks who who endorse that, even if that's not exactly what they're endorsing. So and, I guess that's and what yet I'm asking. People interpret it that it is. I read your column and I, I thought it was good, and I'm not disagreeing with you about people mattering uh, at all. But how, as me who is a, not a Marxist, but me who believes in the sentiment "Black Lives Matter," how do I express one but not the other? Oh, uh, I, I think you do exactly what millions of people around America are doing. Uh, you know, uh, showing your support for the overall movement. But I guess that's what I'm saying. How do I show support for the overall movement, but not for the organization? Uh, well, you can do it any which way you want, Jake. You can march if you want. I think that's what people are doing. That's the reason it's been as strong as it's been. It's not because most Americans want to turn the USA into a socialist society. It's okay, because I, they want racial justice. I, I got you. I'm, I'm just, it's turned controversial, right? The, the uh, capitalized Black Lives Matter as opposed to little b, little l, little m. And, and I'm, I'm just, cl- I'm trying to further the discussion. I'm certainly not trying yeah. to argue with you. I'm, I'm, I am confused by these things as well. Well, so I, you, I, don't, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have, you can, you can fall in line with the idea of the movement, without necessarily agreeing with every political point in the organization. And a lot of people have a problem with the uh, Black Lives Matter organization uh, wanting to support people uh, across all boundaries as far as their families go. They, they don't want to rely necessarily on the nuclear family. They want a, a societal family. And that's really ticked off some people. But but the way I interpret that is that it's not the nuclear family that's being thrown away. It's those who do not have that opportunity within a nuclear family for those people to be included, too. That's the way I look at it. Other people might look at it differently. And, and I'm sure they do. All right. Uh, let's get to a not sports sport coming up right around the corner. Uh, it is the big show. We'll have David Locke at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Uh, Gordon, if we have enough time, I, I kind of want to throw in a Not Sports, but because uh, I, I found something that has very disappointed me personally today. But uh, where are we going today for today's Not Sports Report? Today we're going to focus on Utah. Okay. We're going to focus on Utah without actually focusing on Utah. But uh, Post Malone made an appearance on the Joe Rogan experience uh, for almost uh, four hours today. And a couple things. One, he was wearing a University of Utah baseball cap. Two, they brought up a lot about his living in Utah. He does. He has a house here. I think it's on the east bench of Salt Lake, if I'm not mistaken. And he said how much he loved living in Utah. And I I think sometimes... People around here, you know, you hear about uh, you go live in Utah or whatever, and people start to think about that a little bit. But uh, we live in a great place. And uh, Post Malone certainly believes that. He said that he must have been doing a concert. His first concert must have been out at uh, out at the uh, what's that building out there on the Salt Flats? This uh, Great Salt Air? Salt Air. Uh, he didn't mention that, by, but he said he was supposed to have 5,000 people there and 17,000 people showed up. And so they moved it outside. And he said that when he looked around, he had such a good time that he said, this must be a sign from somewhere that I should be drawn here. And so what did he do? He went on Zillow or somewhere and Homie. found a house. Com. What's that? Homie.com. Maybe that's where he went. He found a house, and he bought it. And he's been living in Utah for a couple of years now, and he loves it. And uh, he and Rogan were going back and forth talking about how cool it is here in Utah and how uh, Joe, Joe Rogan said some people might be afraid of the Mormons, but he said they're really nice people. And uh, Post Malone said, yeah, they are, man. They, they're nice. He loves the people here. He loves the place. He loves the mountains. He loves being here. So he lives here. This is a dude who could live wherever he wanted. He probably could have houses anywhere he wanted, a bunch of different places. And this is his main residence here. And they talked about a bunch of other stuff like aliens and mushrooms and uh, you know, all kinds of other other things. That, but he, four hours he was on there. And I think it's kind of cool, the Post Malone rapper or whatever. It's he four hours like too it. many to listen to Post Malone. But I'm just <laughs> oh, I like Post Malone. Uh, but anyway, uh, I I uh, think that's kind of cool that he he loves living right here in the city of Seoul. So, uh, Hooterville. Cool. I don't know about the uh, aliens, though. I mean, uh, and they talked about Zion National Park and some other places. How cool! And he said he loves getting up in the in the morning and seeing the the mountains. He said the sun in the summertime doesn't set until about 10 p.m. And he said he can just be cool. And uh, focus on his music and enjoy himself here. So a little tip of the cap to Utah. And uh, sometimes we forget about uh, 
the good things that are here and, and, and the good reasons to live here. All right. Can I throw uh, why I'm disappointed at you real quick? And I'll, I'll, I'll keep this very short. Sure. Uh, a voice I've been listening to, Gordon, during this uh, this pandemic uh, is, is a gentleman by the name of Alexander Lukashenko. Gordon, okay. do you know who uh, Alexander is? No, I don't. He's the president, some may say, dictator of Belarus. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, he came out with, uh, he said, he claimed that drinking 50 milliliters of vodka a day would protect people from the coronavirus. Well, did he? So I obviously thought, well, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think just, you know, I should probably protect myself in that way. Well, it was announced today, uh, Gordon, that, that he has uh, come down with the coronavirus. So, uh, so the, uh, the alcohol did not uh, prevent it. It didn't work. So what am I going to do? Uh, you're going to take other precautions? No, I, I think I'm going to keep up on this one and just maybe his case was a fluke. Maybe it just didn't work for him. <laughs> maybe it just didn't work for him. So I'm going to keep at it. Uh, or at least that's what I'm going to tell my wife. But I, I was very disappointed that, <laughs> that my, 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 tro- uh, my, my chosen strategy uh, to keep myself safe is, is apparently not effective. And, and if we can't listen to the world powers that are Belarus think tanks, what <laughs> can know. we do? I don't if we can't listen well, to know, the Belarusian dictator, I mean, who can we listen to? You get to the point you hear so many conflicting things about what doesn't work, what does work. And, you know, some of, some of the folks who are saying about certain things that work, supposedly, are, you know, uh, medical experts like the dude from Yale. Did you see his comments about how... Were they about uh, vodka working? Because if they weren't, no, I didn't see no, it. They weren't. No. This is why I eat only cheeseburgers, by the way, because heart attacks, that, that I get, they, they might lead to that for some people, but not me. Right. <laughs> Personally, I think uh, uh, vodka can protect you from all sorts of things. I, I haven't had the chicken pox for a while. <laughs> When's the last uh, time you had the bubonic plague, right. Jake? I, it's got to be working. I, look, it's one thing to uh, to have get conflicting messages from uh, world powers who are absolutely clueless. It's another thing when medical experts start disagreeing on some of these topics about what works for uh, the virus and what doesn't, and that's when it gets really confusing, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, hopefully we're all making progress in uh, trying to uh, tamp this thing down. What is what? What do you think, Doctor? Vodka? No, I don't think. What do you think, Doctor Dunn would say about the the vodka defense? Uh, I think. <laughs> don't think she'd be on board. I, I would think Doctor Dunn would say, if you if you uh, have a hankering for some vodka. Then drink it for reasons other than prevention from the coronavirus. Oh, but it's such a good excuse. Uh, okay. So anyway, there you go. Belarusian. President. I hear Krispy Kreme knocks out Corona. See, uh, it gives you a good excuse. All right. Joining us now in studio, our friend Katie from Homie. We're talking about Post Malone and uh, living right here in our community. And I, I, uh, I thought, you know what? If he uh, just brought up the old Homie app, he could have things situated and saving a bunch of money, no problem. Yeah. In fact, uh, the type of uh, House I'm sure he's buying, he could save a lot of money. He could save a lot of money, yeah. Um, so it's interesting. My, my sister-in-law is actually getting ready to sell her townhouse, um, and I helped her before buy this townhouse before I was with Homie. Um, and so they just kind of asked me, like, well, why do we want to go with Homie? Why not go with a traditional agent? And so I sent them, like, a breakdown of, of the savings and what it would look like. And they're both they both kind of text me back, and they're like, well, why wouldn't we go with Homie? 
Like, it is a no-brainer. So um, they they would save $15,000 by using Homey to sell their townhouse. Um, and they can put that savings towards a much Whatever. nicer house. They're yeah. getting ready to have... They're having a baby number two. They're having a Corona baby. Wow. <laughs> so uh, they're they're getting ready to need some room come February. So, um, but it's just amazing how little people know how much money they can really save until you sit down and do the numbers. You don't really think about that, that percentage is that much. When you hear 3% or 6%, it doesn't sound like a lot. But right. then when you write it down or you, you see it in like real life, like, oh, that's a lot of money. And sometimes people don't see it until they sit down to closing and they see their closing documents and they see, oh, my agent's getting that much money. What did my agent do? And really, the way that technology has gone, we've been able to streamline the process and utilize technology to make it so much simpler that your agent doesn't have to do that much work to to get that much money. You're not sacrificing any anything from an experience standpoint and you're saving. And like you say, we, you know, say, ah, oh, 3%, but you're... Thousands of dollars, Thousands. a lot of a lot of like life impacting money can yeah. be saved. That could be a lot of vodka for you, Jake. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> well, it's a preventative measure, of yeah. course, as you know, Katie. Uh, all right, go online, omi.com, find a way to get started. Thank you very much. All right, we'll have David Law coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.